Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chuck Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a Sunflower Showdown, which was not entirely unexpected. Um, definitely not what we were hoping for. But, uh, you know, we also have some basketball starting this week. So we're, we actually have a preview of the Michigan State game that's happening in the Champions Classic coming up in our second segment today. But to help me do the recap of this Kansas State game like he does every week, uh, it is Mike Plank, editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing today? Well, you know, it's... Uh another day doing all right <laughs> all things considered all right <laughs> yeah there you go i'm just so glad that my own personal happiness overall is not dependent solely on kansas football being good because let me tell you i'd be miserable if, if that was the requirement so um yeah that, that would be a rough life yeah exactly so um Obviously, anybody listening to this should already know at this point that Kansas got completely stomped 35 to 10 against the uh, Kansas State Wildcats. Um, you know, Kansas did not come out starting very well in this game at all. Um, you know, and, and of course, the biggest, I think the biggest story to come out of this game is the fact that uh, both, both starting quarterback Jason Bean uh, and backup quarterback Miles Kendrick left this game with injuries, not to mention Tory Lachlan, you know, who who could have been a backup quarterback but had converted to running back, had a fairly nasty injury, had to get carted off of the field. Um, so, like, I think that's the biggest story to come out of this game, Mike, the the, the injuries. How, how concerned are you with the injuries that we have? Um, or, or, or do you think it's not necessarily going to make that much of a difference uh, when, when we look back just considering the rest of the season and, and what we were expecting? I mean, it's not going to make a difference, I don't think, in terms of wins and losses, right? But, um, but I, and for those who have missed Leipold's presser, uh, today on, today's Monday, um, November 8th, he, uh, he did confirm that Kendrick and Lachlan are out for the rest of the year. And, uh, um, he, he was 
What's the word I'm looking for? Ambiguous on Dean's status. He said he is doubtful, maybe questionable for Texas this weekend. So he's questionably questionable, <laughs> which yeah, which I mean, means that we're going to see we're going to see Jalen Daniels again with Miles Fallon as the backup. So, um, but yeah, I mean, in the, we aren't going to beat Texas again this year anyway, right? But uh, so it's it's not going to make it's not going to be the difference between one and eleven and and three and nine. Like we're still going one and eleven. It's just going to be with different guys this time. Yeah, I'm still still definitely not going to let go of that until I absolutely have to. Um, while I would not pick it if I had to like bet my house on it, I still think that there is a better than, you know, a better than uh, unlikely chance that Kansas actually. Oh, I, I said that completely wrong. There is there is a non-zero chance that Kansas actually goes down and beats Texas, especially given how just you know sky is falling. Most Texas fans are. Yes, if I was if I was betting the farm on it, I would not bet Kansas to beat Texas. But uh, I, I'm feeling as good as you possibly can going into this game. Texas is. Uh, in the right situation that they need to be in for Kansas to have an opportunity. And if you think about it, Jalen Daniels, you know, being a guy that uh, that has had some success going up against Texas in the past, you know, if he's the guy that actually goes, there is a possibility there that he could potentially see some things happen. Um, you know, I, I was actually just looking up real quick because with Miles Kendrick's season being done, unfortunately he has played too many games probably to be able to get a uh, you know a, a medical redshirt at this point, so that is the end of his career at Kansas, most likely. Um, not that he probably would have had a whole lot of opportunities next year anyway, you know, given that either Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels is gonna gonna run with it at that point. But he was a very very good backup to have a guy that could come in and you know actually run the game. So if 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 there was an opportunity for him to come back next year, unless I'm misunderstanding the way that the medical redshirt rules work, um, you know, there there is not an expectation that he is going to be able to be back next year for them to to lean on in terms of a uh you know of a of a backup situation so hopefully that's not something that they would need to be worried about next year but uh you know it's always nice to kind of have that in your back pocket if you do need it um you know tory tory lachlan i thought was was he he seemed to be getting off and and starting to get some runs against kansas state and again i'm not saying that having tory lachlan would have been the difference between kansas being competitive in that game or not um but I, i definitely think that you know, when you have all of those injuries back to back, because Lachlan got injured and then Jason Bean, I don't remember if it was the same play or if it was like a play before or after that, um, you know, Bean got injured himself and tried to stick it out and then couldn't go. And then Miles Kendrick comes out through one pass and got injured at that point. And it was a fairly serious. You could tell just the way that his knee went sideways that Kendrick was not gonna be able to come back into that game. Um, Jason Bean at that point came back out. And, and my understanding and the thing that makes the most sense to me was that the reason Bean came back out was that he was going to try to make a go of it because you wanted to save the eligibility potential for Jalen Daniels because this was supposed to be a redshirt year for Jalen Daniels. You know, he was supposed to get a couple right. games of work. He can play up to four games and still be able to redshirt. Um, that that may be off the table depending on how well, you know, Bean's able to recover. So he can, you know, Jalen Daniels, that, that was his third game he's seen action in. If he starts against Texas and plays that game, and then they don't play him the rest of the year, he can still potentially keep that red shirt. Um, but we'll just have to kind of see how all of that works out. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was pretty clear pretty early in that game that those injuries sapped any excitement that Kansas had, any opportunity that they had to remain competitive in this game. Do you, do you agree with that assessment, or am I reaching for something to try to make it sound better than it was? No, I completely agree with that, and I... Uh... I don't remember the source, but I saw something in, I don't know, one of the recaps somewhere where the 
I don't remember if it was Leipold or one of the players admitted as much. So right. um, that really kind of took the wind out of KU sales. And um, I mean, K-State just kind of took over and took over from there and mid- what, midway through the second quarter or so. And it just wasn't a contest after that. So yeah, no, for sure. That totally affected Kansas on Saturday. Yeah. So, all right. So I do want to, I mean, th- there's really only a couple other stories. I mean, we could talk about what actually happened there, but Deuce Vaughn ran all over Kansas. Um, both in the passing game and in the and in the running game, um, you know, I, I don't know that I was necessarily that surprised. I was kind of hoping that they could do something to somewhat limit him, but I'm not, not really surprised that he was able to kind of go off, especially when you consider everything that happened, you know, in this game. Um, the 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 defense struggled quite a bit, but I think the biggest thing that po- people are going to be talking about is that hit by Gavin Potter on Skylar Thompson as he went out of bounds. Um, First of all, I, I I agree with Leipold's assessment that there really is no room for that in the in the Kansas program. You know that you shouldn't be hitting people out of bounds. I do think that that probably should have been some sort of offsetting penalty, given the way that uh, Irvin went after him. You know, after that hit, I do understand that you know you're going to get fired up if you see your quarterback hit out of bounds like that. Um, but but I, I do think it kind of went a little bit past that at that point. Um, thoughts on though, like thoughts on the reaction to that hit, that, that actual hit itself, or, I mean, anything story-wise that you think that needs to be talked about there? I mean, not that it hasn't already been said, right? Like, I mean, it was clearly a late hit. He he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> I don't know that, um, I don't know that Lance Leipold needs to come out and comment on it publicly like that. I mean, can you imagine a K-State coach ever doing that? Because, oh, of course not. Because I can't. Um, you know, uh, the, we're not that far removed from K-State starting a brawl in Allen Fieldhouse and KU taking all the blame for it. So, you know, I I have no desire to see a KU coach come out publicly like that. Now, you, you think about – you uh, take care of that stuff behind closed doors. And, if you know, if he wants to call, climb in after the game or whatever, then that's fine. Do that. But just don't don't tell us about it, you know? Well, now, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think there is something to be said about, you know, putting that out there publicly about the way you want to run your program. And so, like, as long as we're not hearing about this every single time that someone does something little like that, you know, or I'm sorry, little moving forward or, you know, every time something like this potentially happens, um, you know, that that the other team might take a little bit of umbrage to that, you know, we we hear about Leipold explicitly seeking them out and him talking publicly about all of that. I, I do think there is something to be said for setting the tone of how you want these games to go because you don't want it to get as nasty as this game was. You know, there was nasty hits on both teams. There was a lot of stuff going on in this particular game, and I understand it's a rivalry game, and you're going to have that sort of stuff. But this went over the top, and I think that Gavin Potter it w- was kind of the the big hit at the very end of it that kind of made everyone say, hey, this has gotten completely out of hand um, because there was some pretty nasty hits um, you know, not necessarily, well, I, I, I would say that there were hits that should have been flagged prior to that happening. And that was the natural escalation of the refs not doing their job and, and keeping the game under control. Yeah. And that's a fair point about establishing a program or whatever. Like we have to, I, I think we've talked about this the last two or three weeks, Andy, we have to keep telling ourselves that, you know, this staff has been on campus for six months now, seven right. months. Um, you know, the first of May is when they got here. Um, and so, yeah, they're still working to establish what they want to establish. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's actually a fair point. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, so you, when you come at it from that angle, I can definitely see that. And, you know, you're, you're talking to recruits as, and parents and, and family members and stuff like that as much as you are to 
fans or the media at that point. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, like I said, I, I don't want it to continuously be a thing. We don't need to keep hearing about the conversations you have with coaches, especially with that sort of stuff. But but it definitely did set a tone for how Leipold wants to run the program. Um, but I think the bigger story isn't the the hit out of bounds. It's the fact that, that uh, both of these teams got nasty with each other. Both of these teams, I think, took it a little too far. Um, Gavin Potter is just the one that had the big hit out of bounds. They just finally decided to throw a flag for um, when you could have thrown a flag on quite a few things that happened before that on both of these teams. And, you know, it potentially doesn't get that far out of hand the way that it did. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that I do like to see the fire. I like to see the fact that these, you know, these defenders are still kind of bought in, that they're still trying to make plays and, you know, at the point where the apathy hasn't set in for them, you know, that they are, they are still trying to make plays. Now you wish they would do it a little bit more constructively, um, but it is definitely one of those things. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not the point of the season where we typically see with Kansas football, where everyone's checked out and the only guys that are actually trying are the, you know, young guys that are trying to, you know, secure a spot for the next season. So, um, so I mean, let's, let's go ahead and I mean, anything else from, from this game you think we need to talk about? <laughs> there's, there's not really much to talk about. I mean, it was, you know, for the 13th year in a row, it was, yeah. Not, well, and not all 13 have been ugly. I mean, David Beatty, of all people, had a couple of close games against him. But for the most part, it's been been 13 years of frustration, and it's been a quarter century of frustration for Kansas fans. So, um, I mean, we'll, we'll give Leipold – let's see, I think if we want to compare him to anybody, Mangino beat K-State in his third year. So we'll give him three or maybe four years. But this is something that he needs to focus on and that he needs to take care of. Like, we – we cannot keep having these types of games against K-State. It's it's just, frankly, it's just not acceptable. There's not really much else to say about it other than that. Right, and I mean, this is one, like we've talked about with most of the results this year, this is one that's not on Leipold at this point. You, you can't expect right, him to right. do what he needs to do. I think next year the game will be more competitive. Whether Kansas wins it or not, I'm still kind of up in the air about it. It's going to depend on how much of a leap they take forward and really what Kleiman's able to do. Because remember, this is, you know, this is a situation where Chris Kleiman was struggling and his program was having issues just three weeks ago, you know, going into that Texas Tech game and got got a lot of a lot of help from Texas Tech collapsing. Well, now, granted, they were able to take advantage of that, but like if they lose that game against Texas Tech, who knows what their psyche is coming into this game? And, and we may be talking about just how, you know, how how big of an issue it is at that point for them as well. So a lot of things could potentially happen between now and then that could make this next game a lot more competitive. And I expect Leipold to get this program to a point where we're not seeing a game that's this out of hand this quickly. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, the, the, the big thing that I took solace in was the fact that Kansas State didn't have a huge special teams play that got them a score like you know they they are there was definitely some yep. improvements from last year and given the circumstances I'm I'm very very I'm feeling a whole lot better about this one and I feel a whole lot better about the the opportunity for this you know for this team to be able to to continue to improve and continue to get better and get to the point where this isn't the issue that we're having every single year so um yep. I'm super super excited about that um you know, and and really, I mean, we're 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 talking about the value of this team going up in the future once Leipold has a chance to get everything fully established, and and hopefully that will include a value going up on the uh, the the sponsor we have here on the podcast. That would be Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. You can join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com and creating a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHOCK12 for a money-back guarantee. Yes, 
That, that is right. A money back guarantee up to $500. What that means is that when you deposit after your first 90 days, um, you know, if you've lost money for whatever reason in the teams that you've, that you've invested in, you can go back and ask for a full refund of your entire deposit up to $500 and you'll get that back with no questions asked. Um, it's a lot of fun. I've been doing it for a little while. Now, granted, the, the majority of my investment has been in Kansas, which hasn't paid off yet at this point, but that's a very, very long-term play. I am looking at purchasing a couple of teams coming up, but they do have NBA, NFL, NHL, uh, MLB, and college football. They're looking to be adding college basketball next year, so for the next season. So there's a lot of opportunities to kind of get in here. I know that they're looking at adding Premier League as well. So so get in now, use that promo code CHOCK12, get that money-back guarantee, get started, build up that bank so that way when the league that you really want to be involved in is there, you have the money ready to go. So uh, again, go go to symbol.com, use promo code CHOCK12, and your deposit will have a money-back guarantee up to $500. So jump on, start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. All right, Mike, uh, looking forward here. Obviously, we have basketball coming up, so that's going to take a lot of the bandwidth for a lot of KU fans, you know, since they're able to kind of take a look at that. <laughs> the 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 Texas game is coming up this weekend, and I alluded to it earlier. You know, Texas is all kinds of a mess right now. Um, anything that you're looking for in that game with Jalen Daniels being the quarterback going into that game that uh, that maybe we could, you know, have some some good news, even if it's not a full a full victory at that point. Can you envision a scenario where Kansas goes in and gets into a shootout with Texas and, and we start feeling good about the program again? Oh, it's really hard, Andy. I don't I, – I'm – I guess I'm probably more pessimistic than you are just in general, but uh, I, I – and I'm generally an optimist, I think, when it comes to Kansas football. But um, the longer the season goes on, it kind of wears on me. You know how it is. But, uh, uh, I mean, this is Jalen – pardon me, Jalen Daniels' chance to – to show what he can do, right? He has most likely this game and maybe maybe the rest of the season, depending on how bad Jason Bean got hurt. But um, I mean, I don't I don't really know what to look for. It, it could obviously go one of two ways, right? Like it could be uh, Texas is a thirty point favorite. That was the opening line anyway, and uh, you know they could use this as a as a rally the troops and a get right game. And um, I mean, K State was the second worst offense in the Big Twelve. And they may still be even after last week's performance. And Kansas made them look like uh, Oklahoma. I mean, uh, they, they just they averaged nine yards of play, and they did whatever they wanted offensively. Uh, so I mean, Texas could use this as a get-right game and and just roll, and it could be a forty-five to seven game, or or maybe you're right, Andy. Maybe Kansas comes in and Texas is, has some internal strife, and they can't all get on the same page, and um, it's a you know, a, a 42 to 38 shootout of some kind, and maybe it goes in KU's favor. I, I, I don't know. My money's on the uh, on Kansas not looking very good again, but, uh, you know, hey, man, that's why they play them, right? Yeah, I, I do need to clarify one thing. Kansas did not make Kansas State look like Oklahoma because Oklahoma looked like crap against KU. So, um, but, no. <laughs> well, Oklahoma scored 35 points in – a quarter and a half, and K-State well, did about yeah. the same thing. So with a lot with a lot of help from the refs, but we won't go back to that again. So no, <laughs> right, no. Right. I mean, I I do think that this is this is actually a great opportunity for for Kansas and Lance Leipold moving forward. Yes, you don't want your quarterback to get injured to have this kind of happen, but you do get a legitimate opportunity to evaluate what Jalen Daniels has learned this year in a game setting to kind of see what they can do at this point. That, that Texas defense, yes, they, you know, they have moments, they have flashes where they can be really, really strong, 
but they have yet to put together a you know start to finish really good game, which means that I expect Jalen Daniels to have some opportunities to really show what he's able to do. Now, granted, by the time he's able to break through against the Texas defense, they may already be down twenty-seven nothing. Like there could be a lot there that you have to worry about in terms of like whether he can make this a competitive game or not. But I think you're going to get a flash at least to see what Jalen Daniels has been able to absorb this year and really set up that quarterback. Uh, you know, competition that they're going to have in the offseason to really see who is going to be the quarterback for next year. I was talking about how maybe it was time to kind of see what you had in Jalen Daniels. I wasn't accounting for the fact that they were trying to redshirt him. Um, I definitely don't think that they should have gone to Miles Kendrick for the rest of the year as opposed to Jason Bean. But, you know, I was thinking about going to Jalen Daniels and and not accounting for the fact they only had two more games for what they wanted to be able to do. Um, but this gives them that opportunity. So, like, best case scenario is Jalen Daniels comes in, has a great game here, um, but not one that's enough that they say, okay, he's the guy moving forward, and then Jason Bean's good to go next week, um, you know, and he can finish out the season. And then going into next season, you have two fairly good options to look at for quarterback. So, um, you know, the fact that Daniels is playing against a, a a Texas team that really, to be honest, isn't that much different than the team that he played really well against when Brent Deeran was his offensive coordinator two years ago. Um, like I, I think there's an opportunity for him to have a little bit of familiarity, to be okay with this and really get off and have a good game. And it's really just a question of can Kansas put everything together? This defense is fired up. Um, it's, you know, Texas, for whatever reason, cannot seem to keep things going once they get them going with their offense. The offense is, is known to stall. So we will break this down a whole lot more in our, in our preview for the weekend. Um, you know, I, I do have a guest coming on there. That that uh, you know ha- has been on the podcast a few times. If if the guy that I'm thinking about is is actually going to be able to come on, but uh, we will have a full preview of this game. I'm sure that there'll be plenty of hand wringing from the Texas side, wondering you know is this? I've already seen a bunch of Texas tweets of guys that are talking about, hey, this is a real possibility we might lose to Kansas. Now, granted, that usually happens just before Kansas uh, gets completely blown out by them, so we'll have to see how that works. But you know, there's a lot of stuff. If you look at uh, Kyle Umlang, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, over on Twitter, you know, he was talking about all the similarities, the fact that Kansas' lone win was against an FCS opponent, that Texas had lost four in a row before, the, you know, the last time Kansas beat Texas. So really, I think the only difference between this game and, and that game, if you look at a lot of those kind of metrics, is the fact that this one's going to be in Austin, whereas that one was, you know, in, in Lawrence. So um, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how much people are upset about this one or how much people are worried about this one. And, and, you know, I, I, at the very least, I'm sure hoping that Kansas can put a scare into Texas fans and make them wonder like what the heck is going on with this team? Because if Texas fans are unhappy, then I think most of the rest of the big 12 is, is very, very happy. So, all right, Mike, any other final thoughts you want to leave us with? No, I think, we, I think we covered it pretty good today, sir. All right. Well, hopefully we have more more um, interesting and fun things to talk about next week, but uh, I won't necessarily hold my breath on that one. We'll have to see. But, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I am going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break, and then we'll come back to talk a little bit of basketball. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And I'm joined now by Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. And uh, Fetch, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So we just got done talking about a not-so-great Kansas State uh, Sunflower Showdown game with Mike before the break. And now we're here to look ahead to what should be the highlight of probably everyone's week, um, Kansas basketball starting against Michigan State. Uh, Fetch, anything just to start off, you know, there was one exhibition game for this team that we had last week. I actually kind of forgot that we had it until the day of because for some reason they didn't really put the information out there or maybe I was just busy with other things. But anything jump out to you from that exhibition game that is something that we need to pay attention to coming into this game? Yeah, I think so. I, I uh, full disclosure didn't watch it live. I watched the, the replay of it on YouTube, but me too. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, there you go. I think uh, really the first thing that kind of stood out to me just when I looked at the box score after the game was uh, Bobby Pettiford getting basically the same amount of minutes as Joe Kessif, who I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, uh, thought that he was, you know, maybe in line to start uh, early in the season and, and certainly was going to have a big role, but to have. Uh, Pettiford come in and, and play the same amount of minutes. And I kind of, you know, when I was scrolling through checking to see who did what and, and how everyone played, I kind of uh, kept special eye on those two. And it really looked more to me like a, a case of Pettiford just playing really well rather than anything uh, poor that Yesifu was doing. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball very well, but other than that, I thought he played pretty well. Um, but I think it was more Pettiford just going out there and, and um you know, seizing his opportunity and, and playing well with the minutes he was given. So if they have a, another option in the backcourt there, I mean, that really gives you four guys who can handle a ball well and, and you trust to, to you know, take care of those ball handling minutes and everything. And that just, you know, might be the deepest backcourt they've had in, in self's tenure uh, if he can play well and, and continue to play like he did in the exhibition. So uh, with how important uh, guard play is in college basketball, I mean, I don't know how uh, anything other than uh, how the guards play it could uh, could stand out for you. Well, I mean, it it really came off to me as, you know, they they seem to really be in love with the idea of this two point guard lineup. And now that they have four potential point guards that they could actually use for that, like I'm having a hard time imagining that they're not going to have two point guards out on the on the court at all times, you know, unless there's like really bad foul trouble cuz I mean, you talk about that. Yesufu and Pettiford can both play the point. They both played it really well in that exhibition game. And obviously, it's an exhibition game. So, you know, you can take from it what you will. But the fact that Dewan Harris looked a lot better this year and his offense definitely seemed to be a lot better than we thought it might have been coming into the season. Um, you know, and, and, and that was one of the things that kind of jumped out to me when I was at Big 12 Media Days talking with Ochai and and with uh, David McCormick. You know, they were all talking about just how good of a shooter Dewan Harris actually is. And we just had, didn't get a chance to see it last year. Um, like, it seems to me like they have four guys that can run the point that they are, you know, trust to be able to be out there and run the point at any point, which opens up Remy Martin to be able to do more off the ball if he's not always having to bring it up. You know, it gives them a lot more opportunities to be able to do a lot of different things and show a lot of different looks, which makes this team a lot deeper than I thought they were going to be. 
Um, which again, yeah, makes me wonder how the heck are they going to find enough minutes for everybody if you know we are still identifying additional people that we think could play fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Yeah, I really thought Harris was actually going to maybe be the the odd man out, even despite what uh, what Self was saying. Just because I think you know last year he got a little bit uh, overrated just because of you know some good minutes and and a couple of good performances and stuff. But uh, Jesse Newell ran that uh, poll, the players' poll, and. Um, I think, you know, everyone except for two or three guys said that he was the most improved player over the off season and yeah. And how he looked in that, uh, exhibition game. I mean, yeah, we're, I don't know where they find the minutes. And so I think you're right. I mean, they are going to play, um, probably two point cards a lot. One thing that maybe gives you a little bit of pause is the fact that they're all pretty small, but, um, you know, I think they can work around that similar to, you know, the Mason Graham year type deal. Yeah. The other thing too, cause like I had asked Bill Self about the whole, you know, who brings energy for this team? And Remy Martin was the guy that he talked about the most, but he also did slip in a comment about Dewan Harris. And like, it's just weird to hear so many different things from a guy that we were trying to figure out where his, you know, like what his role was going to be and just kind of assumed he'd be the first guy off the bench. But I'm having a hard time seeing him not being one of the starters, not being one of the main guys that they go to for this team. So it'll be really interesting to see how they get everything working out how they, you know, share all these minutes. And the, the one thing it does, I think, is give them so many different options that I don't think we we get locked into a lineup. Like, if if we have a night where someone's just not having a good night, they've got three other options on the bench that they can go to. And until they get to the end of the season where there's a, you know, a rotation that has a whole bunch of minutes behind it that they can tell, these are the guys we can rely on the most, I think we're going to see a lot of different lineups. And they're all going to be kind of mix and match throughout the entire season, especially during the non-conference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. I think that uh, I, I had kind of planned on writing this for a while and, and probably still well towards the uh, beginning of the season here, depending on how these first couple games look. But um, I think this might be the, the most versatile team that Bill Self has ever had. I mean, you look at the number of guys they have that can play the one or the two or the two, three or the four or the three, four or the five. I mean, they've got so many different lineups that they can put out there. I mean, it, it breaks your brain trying to come up with all the, you know, different permutations they can yeah. come with and stuff like that. And, and, you know, they can go super big, they can go super small. They can, you know, kind of go in between, which I think they'll probably do a lot, but um you know, you're, you're just watching that game. And I mean, even a guy like, uh, you know, KJ Adams comes in and yeah, he only has two points, but, you know, makes a couple of nice entry passes, moves the ball, kind of does what self, you know, wants him to do, provides that energy, that sort of thing. And, you know, not everyone can score. I mean, you need guys who are going to, you know, crash the boards. You need some guys who are going to, you know, poke their hand in passing lanes and, and guys who can defend multiple positions and, and just bring energy in and stuff like that. And um, I mean, some, some really good player is going to get left out uh, of the rotation and, and probably multiple really good players are going to get left out of the rotation. So, um, you know, hopefully self can, can keep them all happy and, and keep all the young guys uh, on campus. Cause I think they definitely have the, the talent to, you know, in, in two or three years, not that they're not going to be good this year, obviously. I mean, I think they're a definite like final four contender, but uh, if all these guys stick around, I mean, I think in, in two or three years, they've got the the makings of a, a really special team as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's what Bill Self's biggest sell job is going to be in this year is that, you know, he's going to have to find the guys that are really only contributing in practice and be like, Hey, you're, you know, you're building your skills here against this fantastic lineup that we have, you know, you're, you're getting yourself ready to be the, one of the big guys that we're going to have in the next two years or so, because that's really what they're fighting for at this point. But like to the point of what we were talking about before, like 
This is the first year, I think, where we talked about could have more than a 10-man rotation, and it's not because they have a bunch of guys that do one thing and you're trying to you know, figure out who on a particular night actually can do the one thing that they're supposed to do. This is, this is There are so many guys that are going to be pushing for time on the court because they're just so talented. They can do so many different things that you risk losing them you know, to go somewhere else. Because they can, you know, if if they don't get a bunch of playing time here or they don't get an opportunity to show what they can do, they're going to go somewhere else where they can actually star, where they can actually, you know, get a bunch of playing time and show what they can do. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how many guys Bill Self gets on the court, how many actually solidify into that final rotation. And come tournament time, I would not be surprised if they're still running 9-10 deep at tournament time, which is not something that Bill Self likes to do. He normally likes to have it down to seven or eight guys by that point, And then you just throw in a bunch of guys with you know, with a, with a bunch of garbage time minutes, but they're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be pushing for non-garbage time minutes that are going to really be contributing, um, which is going to give Bill Self a lot more options. The question is just, you know, is it going to be too much for him to try to, to juggle? Not saying that he's going to have a problem juggling, but just too much to try to get guys going and get them in rhythm. Yeah, I just uh, totally off-topic tangent here. I'm just looking at the box score and just realized that a uh, guy who I think and a lot of people think is going to be their best shooter, Jalen Coleman lands didn't even play. And I totally, I just totally forgot about, Oh my gosh, I completely playing. whipped so, on that too. I mean, I mean, just, that's just an insane amount of depth and, and uh, also an insane amount of experience too. I mean, they're bringing back, you know, every starter on the team last year, except for Marcus Garrett. And uh, they're replacing him with uh, a senior transfer in Remy Martin. And then, you know, you've got a senior transfer uh, in Cam Martin, and then you've got a, a super, super senior transfer in Jalen Coleman lands, who uh, is, you know, almost as old as uh, I am. Well, not quite, I guess, but you know, he's an old man. So, I mean, they're, they've got a ton of experience, uh, a ton of depth. Um, you know, I think the, the one question remaining is, do they have that superstar who can take those big shots late in games who can, you know, elevate the team when, uh, you know, maybe things aren't uh, going well, sort of, you know, sort of thing. Like, you know, I always go back to Devonte Graham and, and that performance in Lubbock, his senior year to clinch the big 12 title when it seemed like the team didn't really have it. And he just kind of willed them to, to win down the stretch. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to need that type of a, a performance because I think they're deeper and, and more talented than that team was, but um, you know, do they have that that guy who can make the big shot late in the game? And and is it Remy Martin? Do they go to David McCormick? I mean, those are kind of the the last big questions I have. I think about this team. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many options, and I mean, you know, they had a hard enough time spreading minutes around in this game. And you're right, Jalen Coleman Lance didn't play, and obviously Jalen Wilson didn't play because he was suspended. Um, like there is, they're going to have a hard time figuring out minutes. So rather than us sitting here trying to speculate based off of an exhibition game, let's take a look at the game. We have opening up the season, you know, Champions Classic. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're, you know, starting the season with this game now. I, I don't remember how long ago they actually moved to that, but it, it was big news when they actually decided to make that the first game of the season, and it's been enjoyable ever since. I always look forward to this matchup, no matter who it is that they play in it. Um, but, you know, Kansas uh, in, in Madison Square Garden is playing Michigan State, the early game, um, you know, so plenty of time to watch it and not have to worry about, you know, it being bedtime. Um, you know, I, I, I hate when they have the late game, even though it's probably supposedly the more primetime matchup for them. So, uh, but this is definitely going to be one of those games where, you know, this game is going to be good in its own right. Even though Michigan state is not ranked right now, they are expected to be a good team. So looking at this game, what is, what is the one thing based off of your limited knowledge of Michigan state, which I'll admit I'm fairly limited in my knowledge as well. Like what about Michigan state worries you for this Kansas team? 
Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if it's a worry so much as, um, you know, one thing I'm, a lot of people are bringing up is, you know, the size Michigan state, obviously traditionally, you know, hammers the glass, very, you know, big rebounding team. They didn't really do that last year. So is that a thing where, I mean, less I've said this over and over last year was a, a fake season that doesn't matter. And it, it didn't count just because of all the COVID stuff, no fans anywhere. I mean, I, I throw out everything that happened last year. So um, is that a blip? You know, the, the couple of years before that, they rebounded pretty well. So um, I have to kind of think that that's probably, you know, all, all that last year was, was just a, you know, product of it being a fake season. So can Kansas keep them off the glass uh, offensively? And, you know, on the other end, I'm, I'm not terribly worried about Kansas uh, offensive rebounding. I mean, I think, um, you know, at that point, just, just make shots, you know, don't turn the ball over and, and make shots and you'll be fine. Uh, not really too worried about the offensive rebounding, but uh, you don't want the other team to get three, four five cracks at it. Uh, especially with, you know, Kansas, maybe not being up to snuff defensively so far this season. And, you know, Bill self, I'm sure is going to have something to, to say about that and already has said something to say about that. So that's kind of the first thing. Um, I think the other thing before I get too far, a field here is, is not really a worry, but something I'm kind of interested in is, uh, you know, Tyson Walker who transferred from Northeastern who Kansas pretty heavily pursued. And, and I had him ranked, I think one or two on my first, uh, edition of the, uh, you know, transfer power ranking thing that I do. Um, so him versus Remy Martin, who, you know, I think Remy Martin's a better player. And I think that trade, you know, worked out well for Kansas, but it still is going to be kind of, uh, kind of interesting to see the guy that I wanted Kansas to get initially uh, against the guy that they ended up getting. So that should be a a fun point guard matchup right off the gate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I think there's, there's storylines all over the place. Um, You know, this being, you know, Izzo uh, in this matchup against self, like this, I think the biggest story, uh, which is kind of weird, you know, is the fact that Kansas is trying to get back to 500 in this particular matchup in the, in the champions classic. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how they're able to do that. But yeah, this is one where, uh, you know, there isn't one thing that Michigan state does well, or you would expect to do well based off what they did last year that worries me with this Kansas team. And that's because this Kansas team is so versatile. Like if we're worried about, you know, them going inside, I think McCormick will stand up really well. He got a lot stronger towards the end of last season. Um, you know, and before he was out with COVID Kansas was playing really, really well inside. So I mean, I, I'm not really necessarily too concerned about that, especially, you know, even if Michigan State is, is you know, um, you know, banging down on the glass and really kind of hitting the glass hard to, to get those offensive rebounds. I think, yeah, they'll get some, but I, I don't know that Kansas really has to worry too much about that. So I'm struggling, and I think part of that is definitely because I'm just not really certain, you know, what to expect from this Michigan State team with absolutely no data at all so far. And, you know, I'm so used to Ken Palm having their preseason projections for their players kind of out there. I'm wondering how much of that's related to COVID last year, messing with the way that the model works or anything like that. Um, but, you know, so without all of that data to kind of look at, it's hard to kind of know what the trends are going to be. I also know that we tried to do this last year, or I, I tried to do this with, um, you know, with the preview last year. And and really, it's just kind of nobody really knows. Like everyone is looking at the preseason stuff and and getting the little snippets from media days on how everything's coming together. And you look at a couple of exhibition games, which are definitely exhibition games that you can't necessarily take too much from, given the level of competition. Um, so yeah, this is going to be interesting. I, I definitely agree with you though that like the size is the one thing that jumps out on the paper. But I don't know that Kansas is necessarily too concerned about that, unless McCormick gets into foul trouble you know, really, really early. And we have to bring, a, you know, Cam Martin in and rely on him for large portions of the game. 
uh, to, to really kind of nail down going up against Marcus Bingham. I, I think that Kansas will be okay. It's just a matter of how much are they able to do and, you know, how much, how, who, who can get out and get started and get on a roll there. Um, I, I just don't know who it's the guy that that's going to actually do that. So like Kansas, obviously defense is Bill Self's big calling card. It doesn't necessarily show up immediately in a, in a lot of these games, especially since I don't know that Kansas necessarily has a complete lockdown defender like they're used to having in like a Marcus Garrett. Um, what do you think that this this matchup that's going to be the most intriguing? Like, is 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 there an individual player matchup that you're looking forward to? Uh, maybe Remy Martin on someone or Ochai, especially you know both offensively and defensively against somebody over on Michigan State. Yeah, I think you know obviously, like I said, the the Walker Remy Martin matchup is probably the thing I'm I'm most uh, intrigued by, most looking forward to. I think I, think I completely the, missed that. I, I apologize. <laughs> no worries. I think um, I think maybe the the biggest issue for Kansas will probably be who guards Joey Hauser and, and what they do with him. You know, he, uh, um, if I remember correctly, and I'd, I'd have to look this up to double check, he had kind of an, an up and down year last year. Yeah. He only shot 34% from three last year after uh, shooting almost 43% as a, a freshman at Virginia, but um, still, a, or at Marquette, sorry, the other one uh, is at Virginia. Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so still though, really talented player, really good shooter, you know, six, nine. So he's, he's one of those tall shooters who, uh, has caused Kansas some issues in the past. Um, I, I would suspect, you know, he's a, he would have been a perfect guy for Marcus Garrett to follow around and, and make sure he doesn't ever do anything. Um, I would suspect that's going to be Ochai. Um, obviously Ochai, uh, has a lot of on his plate offensively. Um, so you wonder if, if maybe there's going to be other guys doing it as well, but, um, that matchup is probably uh, the thing I'm going to be worried about because even with Jalen Wilson, you know, if he were back um, following him around and, and playing tight defense on the perimeter isn't really his game. So I don't know that him being back would help all that much other than, you know, you maybe work, uh, make Hauser work a little bit harder on the other end, depending on who he's guarding sort of deal. So um, I, I think that's probably the big thing. I noticed you mentioned um, um, Marcus Bingham, not really as worried about him. I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, not been super impressed when I've watched him play to be completely honest with you. I mean, he's, he's not a bad player by any means, but you know, there's a reason why he's only playing like 11 minutes a game, I think. And, um, not a, not a major offensive rebounder. So he's not a guy who I think you have to like super worry about on the glass there. So, um, even if he does play, um, I think it's actually maybe good news for Kansas. I think you can go into David McCormick a lot and, you know, try to get him in foul trouble. And um, for all the issues with McCormick uh, in the early part of the season, obviously he played really well later in the season, but even when things weren't going well for him, uh, really good, really dependable uh, free throw shooter. So he's a guy who, if you can get him into uh, at the line four or five times a game, I mean, you're, you're really onto something. So uh, those are kind of the, the two big ones that stand out to me. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think if, if Bingham is playing big minutes, it's probably either because Hauser's in, in foul trouble um, or, you know, a case where, say, someone like McCormick is in foul trouble and so they can bring in, uh, you know, Bingham and actually get some good minutes. Because I, I do think that, like, McCormick will match up against him really well. I, I worry about the rest of our big men, though, because, you know, while, while I agree he's not like the, the bowl you over type of big man, he has been able to use his size to his advantage when he has at least a couple inches on, on the guy that he's playing. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what they're able to do. I'm not sure... You know, again, I, a lot of this is just going to depend on, you know, early game jitters. The fact that Kansas has so many players that are playing for Kansas for the first time in this particular game makes you kind of wonder what's what's 
going to happen there and, you know, whether everyone's going to be able to handle it well. Um, but to your point, you know, they are, do have a lot of guys that are coming back that are playing really well and are expected to be, you know, big in the rotation there. So it'll be interesting to see how they mix the experienced guys in this first game against the new guys and try to figure out what matchups work really well. You know, I, I do expect Abaji and Brown, um, you know, and potentially, well, and McCormick to pull up, to all play a whole bunch of minutes to try, try to ease some of those new guys in. Uh, the question is going to be how that, how they get all that matched up. So, all right. Um, anything else about this game that we need to be keeping in mind before the, before the game actually tips off? You know, also um, kind of worried or not worried, I guess, but kind of wondering how, like you said, I mean, uh, some of these guys, yeah, they've played before, but uh, last year was uh, again, a fake season with no fans and uh, you know, how much will being in an actual full house? Well, I mean, I assume somewhat of a full house anyway, in Madison square garden B versus, you know, being in an empty arena last year, that sort of thing. And um, that's something that I'm a little interested to see. And then I also kind of am interested in watching uh, Michigan state recruit Max Christie, who, you know me, I don't really know a ton about recruiting, but it looks like he's a a five-star who, uh, you know, pretty heavily touted recruit, more heavily touted than any of the the KU recruits who have looked pretty good in their exhibition season. So, um, you know, that first game can be a, a real mixed bag. I mean, I remember, what, three years ago now, Quentin Grimes had his best game in a Kansas uniform probably in that first game. Um, and then you had last year when all those highly touted Kentucky freshmen uh, did basically nothing. Uh, of course, you yeah. know, Kansas didn't really do anything either, so I'm not, you know, trying to uh, say anything bad about them specifically. But you just never know how those uh, freshmen are going to react to to their first college basketball experience. Yeah, for sure. All right, so, so we didn't get a chance to do the full preview that we normally do just because – some some timelines were crunched and some stuff going on there uh, when we did talk with Jesse. But, you know, there is quite a bit going on with this non-conference schedule. You know, they they do play. Um, I forget what the actual, which actual tournament they're playing in. It's the one down in Orlando, though. Um, you know, it has a whole bunch of really good teams in terms of that field. You know, uh, they start out with North Texas, and then they play the winner of Dayton and Miami. And then, you know, on the other side of the bracket is Alabama, Belmont, Drake, and Iona. I think Alabama is the team that you kind of keep an eye on there um you know are you I mean what are your thoughts on that particular invitational there like is that tournament over the Thanksgiving week something that you're really looking forward to or are you kind of wishing they were in a a different one well you know I I mean I'm I'm always into watching Kansas basketball and and always into watching those tournaments because you get three games in three days or whatever it is and it's just a just an overload of basketball and that's always good so uh, plus, if you're, you know, you, you get to get away from the family a little bit, if uh, that's your thing. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, really interested to see uh, how they would match up and how they would play against Alabama. Um, you know, Alabama as a team shoots a, a ton of threes. I think they were, you know, top five or so in the country in terms of threes uh, as a as a percentage of their overall field goal attempts. And uh, that's been a bit of an issue for, you know, Bill Self teams in the past where, you know, his big thing is he doesn't want to give up easy baskets, which means, you know, nothing at the rim, nothing in the lane, that sort of thing. And he'll kind of sell out to protect that versus uh, the three pointers, which I think overall isn't necessarily a, a bad or wrong strategy, but it can definitely backfire on you when you got a team that's taking half or so of their shots from three. And, you know, if they make 40% of those, I mean, it's just kind of impossible to win and you get like a, a 2018 Villanova situation. So um, I'm sure he would go consult the tape from that 2018 final four and see what happened and, and what went wrong or what didn't go wrong and, and see how he would adjust. And, and that's something that I, 
more than anything, I'm, I'm intrigued to see. Because I think you're going to see uh, teams more and more start to, maybe not to that extent, but start to play kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to is just the fact, like you said, you know, the the opportunity to play in a in a semi similar environment to something that we're going to see with like the Big Twelve tournament or or the NCAA tournament. You know, I, I do enjoy those over the Thanksgiving weekend tournaments as well. Um, you know, it's a good time to kind of sit down with family and watch, or you know, tell everyone to leave you alone so you can watch a KU basketball game uh, if if they don't really care about watching it as well. So I'll have to fight my wife, I think, for the uh, TV. In order to, you know, she'll, she'll probably be wanting to watch the Cowboys where I'll be trying to watch KU basketball. So that should be a lot of fun. But, you know, it, it is an early opportunity for them to try to win some hardware. And, um, you know, you as as a Kansas fan obviously can't win hardware that way. But you can get some really great hardware to represent your school with, um, you know, from, from our sponsor here on the podcast. That's Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for your for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find Collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All these are in actual school colors, not that just the oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers like to use. I have one of the desk plaques. It's that Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Looks absolutely fantastic. I do have one of the bookends as well. Um, and I had them make me that sign that is the podcast logo that hangs on my wall. Absolutely phenomenal. I love it. Everybody else loves it that comes over. I am planning on getting me a grill, and when I get one, whether it's for Christmas or for something else, I am going to go ahead and order me some some grill grates as well because, let me tell you, they are fantastic. They're 100% custom cut. If you don't have one of the you know ones that they already have ready to go, they will cut whatever size griddle or grill grate that you need. So it's absolutely fantastic there. Um, if, if you go over to Gridiron Metal right now, uh, now is the time to order if you're trying to get something for the holidays because, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are trying to order. They're trying to get everything kind of figured out there. So go over there and get If you are planning on getting something from Gridiron Metal for the holidays, make sure you do it as soon as possible to make sure that they can actually fill your order in time. Um, as long as you get it done by the end of November, th- then that should be good. But if you go over there, use promo code CHALK12, you get 15% off your entire first order and all orders right now are getting free shipping. So um, everything over at Gridiron Metal is high quality made in the USA and they continue to add new products all the time. So go over to gridironmetal.com, use promo code CHALK12, get 15% off your entire order. All right, Fetch, one last question for you. Looking through the rest of the non-conference schedule, is there a game that jumps out to you? I'm not going to count the Kentucky one, you know, the Big 12 SEC challenge, like right smack dab in the middle of conference play. But before conference play starts on January 1st, what is the the other game that really jumps out to you as one you're looking forward to the most? I mean, I guess it has to be Missouri, right? You know, I, I mean, I, I guess I would prefer to not ever play them again, but since they are, uh, you might as well embrace it and, and embrace the hate and everything like that, and and that should be a great atmosphere and a, a great time. And and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm jealous of all the kids who get to go to the game. I mean, I remember I was at the last one before it, and it's you know probably the first thing I think of. Um, when I think of my time at KU, um, so I, I yeah, mean, for sure. I, I guess when you when you put it in those terms, I guess it's it's hard to blame them for wanting to play the game again to you know give all the all those kids that memory and stuff like that. But yeah, on the court, it's probably not going to be super interesting, other than just the fact that hey, in a rivalry game, anything can happen. But um, Missouri not looking like they're going to be a, a top you know five or six team in the SEC this year, and um, I think Kansas probably going to 
uh, be the best team in the Big 12 this year. So um, I, I, Kansas should win, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, probably going to be a little nerve wracking until it actually happens. Yeah, you know, for me, I think it's one of those, uh, like, that is definitely one of them. I don't know that the hate's necessarily going to be as much as it normally is, especially, like, I was talking with, with uh, you know, Ochai and McCormick, and, and, like, Ochai remembers watching them while he was growing up, but he was rooting for Missouri because, you know, that's what his family was at the time. They were they were all Tigers. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. He just remembers it from when he was a kid. They don't necessarily have that that hate there at this point. So the players, I don't know that the, the hate for it is going to be nearly as much as a lot of people seem to think it is. I, I'm sure it can get back there at some point, especially if there's some pretty contentious games that happen in the next few times that they play. But for me, I think the game that I'm looking forward to the most, just from a pure fan perspective, um, it would, is that, that Colorado game. Like Colorado is number 35 in Ken Palm coming into the year, so they are going to be a really good team. It is on the road. Um, you know, I always enjoy when Kansas plays Colorado. That was probably the one, the one Big Twelve school that left that I didn't really want to leave. I actually was kind of a somewhat Colorado fan. I actually almost went to Colorado instead of Kansas. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. I, I like the program they have there. I like what they're putting together there, and I think that that's going to be a fantastic game, a really entertaining game. So that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, but I can definitely understand people wanting to see that Missouri game and see what it's like when it actually comes back. I, I, I'm wondering how well it's actually going to be able to live up to all the hype that it's gotten. Uh, I'm wondering if, you know, guys like you and I who are not necessarily super thrilled that it's back and would be fine if it never came back um, are going to be vindicated to some degree where these games are complete duds and, and, you know, it just never gets the same environment. If it gets there, I think it'll be a fun game to have. Uh, I just hope it never quite gets back to the same you know, level that it was at some point, because if I ever went over to a game in Missouri, I would like to be able to go over there without getting my tire slashed. Yeah. I don't think that would uh, ever happen. No, so, fair, um, fair. But I mean, I mean, I can dream. Can't I? You'd, you'd be able to get some good quality meth, I guess. But uh, other, other than that, I don't, <laughs> I can't really think of any positives to oh going to a game over there. All right, Fetch. Well, th- that is going to do it for us tonight. Um, did you have a random sports minute to bring onto the podcast since it's the first time you've been I, I on do, the actually. Yeah, awesome. I do. Yeah, uh, I do. Very, very briefly. So the uh, the cricket T20 World Cup is currently going on. Um, they just finished uh, group play. And so they've got the four teams in the semifinals. It's a couple of the pre-tournament favorites, England and Australia. And then um, maybe a couple of teams that should have been but weren't pre-tournament favorites, New Zealand and Pakistan. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's Australia and Pakistan in one semifinal and England and uh, New Zealand in the other. Um, you know, should, should be interesting. Um, I kind of have gone back and forth among all the teams. I've of course, course watched uh, a bunch of them. Of course it's over in uh, Oman and the UAE. So the time zones are very messed up, but usually that second one of the day is on at about eight in the morning or so, uh, for me. So that's easy enough to, to watch when I'm yeah, uh, for at sure. work. Do not, do not tell my boss. Um, and then, uh, you know, should, should be interesting. I mean, they all four look pretty good. Um, I think, you know, ironically enough, Pakistan has a bit of a, a home field advantage because they've had to play a lot of their international games uh, in the UAE because of a, a ban. And I, I don't remember if they are actually banned or if people just um, don't tour there anymore because there was a, a terrorist attack back in 2005 or so uh, when Sri Lanka was touring there, their bus got attacked by some, right. some people in Pakistan. And so, uh, understandably people are a little, uh, worried about going there. So, um, they've got uh, a little bit of a ipso facto, uh, home field advantage. So it should be fun. It's all on ESPN plus. If you're a subscriber, uh, as Jeff long would state, it's only four ninety nine uh, per <laughs> month. 
So definitely a great value. Oh, Oh, gotta love the uh, random Jeff Long shots. But uh, all right, Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast was apple podcast spotify stitcher or any of the other million apps that are out there just search for rock chalk podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out if you can give us a rating and a review five stars nice comments would absolutely love that but if not just let us know what it is we can be doing better we really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible so if you ever have any comments questions suggestions people want to try to interview anything like that you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast@gmail.com or on twitter at rockchalkpod. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. I know with Kansas basketball coming up, there's going to be a lot of people with some really strong opinions. So if you go over to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, I promise we'll get you on the show um, You know, so we can actually react to your voice and your comment on its own. Uh, we are on the 1012 network. We have a bunch of great podcasts over there covering all the teams in the conference, so you can be up to date on everything going on in the conference and how that's going to affect the Jayhawks. Uh, just go over on Twitter at 1012network. That's T-E-N-1-2-network. Uh, so you can, you know, find links to all the shows from there. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Thank you Fetch, so much for joining me. Make sure you guys go out to our sponsors, that symbol and, uh, and gridiron metal use promo code chalk 12. You can get some great deals from them. But again, that's going to do it for us tonight. Fetch. Thanks for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two... Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's going to go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Haybear. Uh, Sick'em Bears. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.